from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast. Thank you for tuning in this Wednesday morning, February 21st, 2024. We've got a really busy show for so many practitioners here with a lot of different vulnerabilities and different types of threats, as well as some news on the regulatory front. So don't go anywhere. This show this morning is really good because one, if you haven't subscribed to our show yet, please do so right now. If you haven't shared it, we do appreciate you sharing it. You can also go check out our Substack, jamesazar.substack.com. We've got two different things on there. We've got the CyberHub podcast and then CISO Talk by James Azar. And that's more of my personal writing, uh, a, a whole lot of stuff there around security practitioners. And with we've, we've got a few articles coming out this Friday. Um, well, we've got one Friday and then we've got another one on Sunday uh, that you'll definitely want to uh, tune in for, uh, especially around the kill chain. So we'll get into that here in just a moment. But let's go ahead and get started with our show this morning. Join me for a coffee cup. Cheers, y'all. My double espresso coffee cup. Cheers. It's different when you're on the road. Very different. All right. VMware is urging admins to remove the de- uh, the depreciated vulnerable uh, plugin, the uh, VMware enhanced authentication plugin that enables seamless login to vSphere's management interface via integrated Windows authentication and Windows-based smart card functionality on Windows client systems. They've announced this about three years ago with the release of vCenter Server 7.0 Update 2, track the CVE 2024-2245 with a 9.6 CVSS base score and CVE 2024-22250. The two security flaws patched today can be used by malicious attackers to relay Krebros service tickets and take over privileged EAP sessions. An attacker could trick a target domain user with an EAP installed in their web browser into requesting and relaying service tickets for arbitrary Active Directory principal names, the SPNs. VMware explains when describing both known attack vectors that you would need unprivileged local access to a Windows OS. They can hijack a privileged session. Uh, the company added that it currently has no evidence that's being targeted or exploited in the wild. But as we know from the show, within 24 hours, someone will have something and you'll see the scans. And they'll go way up. And so if you've got, if you're using this environment of VMware and you're using this plugin, you want to make sure you get that taken care of ASAP. There's also instructions here on how to uninstall or disable the Windows service if removal isn't possible at all. Um, So you want to check that out. That's also in the show notes. Last month, VMware also confirmed that a critical vCenter server remote code execution vulnerability was patched in October and now was under active exploitation. Mania revealed that Chinese cyber espionage group UNC3886 abused it as a zero day for more than two years since at least 2021. ConnectWise has released urgent patches for two critical security defects in its Screen Connect remote desktop access product. Warning, there is a high risk of in-the-wild exploitation. This has the perfect score of 10 out of 10 on the CVSS scale. Um, the, and this bug is an authentication bypass using an alternate path or channel. The second bug is documented as an improper limitation of a path name to a restricted directory. This was also fixed and tagged with an 8.4 on the CVSS severity scale. 
The company says the vulnerabilities were reported a week ago through its public disclosure channel and insists there's no evidence of in-the-wild exploitation, but they do mark him critical, saying they, that could happen. Affected versions include Screen Connect version 23.9.7 and prior versions, according to the company. Partners that are self-hosted or on-prem need to update their service to version 23.9.8 immediately to apply the patch. The ConnectWise uh, Screen Connect patches comes at a time when the government is warning about critical risks associated with legitimate remote monitoring management softwares. Obviously, let's not forget MoveIt and a whole bunch of other ones that have all been taken advantage of. Chrome and Firefox have both released updates to their browsers, fixing and resolving multiple vulnerabilities, including several high-severity memory safety bugs. Chrome 122 was released on Tuesday of this week in the stable channel with patches for 12 security defects, eight reported by external researchers. Um, two of these high-severity flaws, the most severe based on a paid bug bounty uh, program reward, uh, being an out-of-bounds memory access bug in Blink, Google says it handed out $7,000 to the reporting researcher. The other externally reported high-severity security hole resolves the latest Chrome update in a use after free flaw in Mojo, for which Google paid $5,000. According to the Google advisory, the highest bug bounty reward was $8,000, and it was handed out for an inappropriate implementation in site isolation. They've paid $28,000 all in all for researchers. So the latest Chrome version is out. Mozilla announced the release of Firefox 123 with patches for 12 vulnerabilities, including four high severity, six medium, and two low. The high severity holes include an out-of-bounds memory, read in networking channels, memory safety issues, and a bug leading to a spoofed alert dialog being displayed on a different site. So you want to make sure you get those browsers updated. If you're a Redis kind of organization and you're hosting a Redis with Linux, you might want to pay attention to a malware called Migo used to mine cryptocurrency. On Sunday on LinkedIn, if you're not following me on LinkedIn, you should do so, James J. Azar. Uh, I shared the Google Cloud Threat Report. And some one very interesting data there was a lot of the cloud threats were misconfigurations or vulnerabilities that led to crypto jacking and crypto mining. And so here... Redis is an in-memory data structure store used as a database, cache, and message broker known for its high performance, serving thousands of requests per second for real-time applications in industries like gaming, tech, financial services, and healthcare. People are always looking to take over Redis simply because, one, the cost is expensive, and number two, it's wildly widely used. Upon compromising Redis servers, the attackers disable critical security features that allows them to receive subsequent commands and make replicas uh, writable. Uh, Cato says that they noticed the attackers disabling the following configuration options through the Redis CLI, the set protected mode, the replica read only, the AOF rewrite incremental F-sync, and the RDB uh, save incremental F-sync all there. Now, these are all security features within Redis that allow you to create some sort of redundancies and resiliency. Then they set up a Chrome job that downloads a script from Pastebin, which retrieves Migo's primary payload from transfer.sh to be executed as a background task. This is a UPX-packed ELD binary compiled in Go. Features compile times, obfuscation, and hinder analysis. Kato says Migo's primary function is to fetch, install, and launch a modified Monroe miner on a compromised endpoint directly from the GitHub CDN. The malware establishes persistence for the miner by creating a system MD service and the associated timer, ensuring it runs continuously, mining crypto on the counters on the attack on the uh, victims uh, 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 
system. Cato uh, also reports that Migo employs a user mode rootkit to hide its processes and files, which helps complicate detection and removal. Migo's attack chains. Migo's attack chain also shows that the threat actor behind it has strong understanding of the Redis environment and operation, meaning they've actually done their homework. If you are using Redis on Linux, you want to make sure you follow these steps. You want to investigate just a little bit to ensure that you're not being a victim of this. And by the way, one great way to do it is you know, alternating kind of look at your last three years of Redis service, look at what your average billable per month is. And then if you see any sort of deviation beyond specific growth and, you know, in your ups and valley and your highs and your valleys, then you start to investigate there. That's a good indicator typically, because once they start mining, your costs really go through the roof. The reason to hire Monroe is because it doesn't require a lot and it's pretty easy to get rid of unlike Bitcoin, which requires a whole lot of energy. And that's really easy to detect because all of a sudden your bill could double or quadruple when they're doing that. German control systems provider PSI software this week announced that the systems are still down following a ransom attack uh, and ransomware attack nearly a week ago. The incident, which was disclosed on February 15th, when the company announced that it proactively disconnected its systems from the internet to prevent data exfiltration, On Monday, the company updated its initial notification to reveal that ransomware was involved in a cyber attack and it has yet to restore its internal IT infrastructure. As a result, all external connections and systems were successfully shut down um, still in the night. They also shut down PSI's mail system in the night so that no mail has been sent from PSI systems since then. PSI PSI also noted that it's investigating the attack vector and that it's found no evidence that the PSI systems at customer sites had been affected. According to current knowledge, there's no access to remote connection uh, for the maintenance of customer systems. Security team is still working on containing the incident. Uh, Headquartered in Berlin, PSI provides control systems to major European energy suppliers. Its solutions cover control, monitoring, and optimization for electricity, gas, oil, heat, and water. Includes leak detection, location, network utilization, operational management, and pipeline management. DC area school says data of around 100,000 of its students was affected in a ransomware attack. The school district in the Washington, D.C. suburb says the personal information of nearly 100,000 people was breached by a ransomware gang right before school started in the fall. This is Prince George's County Public School finished this review of the incident earlier this year, and according to a regulatory filing, determined that personal information was included in the potentially impacted data set. The ransomware attack started August 14th of last year, was publicly disclosed soon afterward, it resulted in a network outage for the Maryland district, which serves 130,000 students, many, many who are employed, whose parents and uh, are employed by the federal government or work in other uh, positions as well within the federal and state government there. The information present in the files may have been viewed or acquired as a result of, the, of this incident varies per person, including individual names, financial account information, and social security numbers. All in all, 99,543 people were affected in this breach in DC and just shows you uh, where that goes. If you don't think it's malicious, I don't think there's an accident there. You don't target a DC school for no reason, uh, steal information. You don't, you just don't. There's, there's reasons behind it. Europe is announcing the launch of a formal probe into TikToks under digital rights law. The European Commission is investigating TikTok for violating Europe's landmark Digital Services Act through its alleged addictive design, lack of age verification, privacy shortcomings, and other potential violations. Investigators will examine whether the social media app violated the DSA 
by failing to protect minors, creating advertising policies that lacked transparency, failing to give researchers access to data and inadequately addressing risks posed by its product design and harmful contact content. Very, very interesting move here by the EU, by the way. Hopefully, they actually mean what they're investigating and go all the way through and ban TikTok in Europe, which might be precedent for the 535 useless people sitting in D.C. occupying the Senate and Congress at this time that can't seem to come to an agreement that TikTok should be banned in the U.S., that it's harmful to children, um, and that it's a uh, Chinese spy op and a psy op in this country. Uh, instead, the president now, for his re-election campaign, opened a TikTok account. That's just really comforting. Uh, for all y'all i hope they did it on a phone that's just designed for that i pray to god they did because man oh man if it, that's tiktok account is on a phone that has campaign emails or potential white house business whew, talk about it, lack of responsibility uh from the white house there and finally an end of an era at the national security agency the cybersecurity director, Rob Joyce, has announced has officially announced his retirement. He's been the NSA cybersecurity director uh, since early 2021. He's been in the age. He's been doing uh, public service in the NSA or the White House uh, for since uh, for the last 34 years. David Luber, the deputy director of the NSA cybersecurity directorate, will replace Joyce as cybersecurity director. Luber was the previously served as the executive director for U.S. Cybercom, and this is all these changes are obviously coming now that uh, General Nakasone has stepped down as NSA and Cybercon, uh, Cybercom uh, General uh, uh, Commander, and T General Timothy D. Cow was assured and assumed command of all of these respective agencies. We wish Rob Joyce a relaxing, maybe non-cyber retirement, although I'm sure. Uh, haven't heard him speak a few times. Uh, Rob's not one of those people that's just going to go fishing on a lake somewhere. He'll be back in this industry within a heartbeat of his retirement because that's just the personality of that man. So thank you for your service, Mr. Joyce. Thank you all for tuning in this morning. Please make sure to subscribe and follow us on your favorite social media platforms. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern, live with all the latest and greatest. Until then, have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.